Remember what we all thought the top story of 2020 was going to be back on January 1st? It was the upcoming election. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, though, everything's changed, and a pandemic promises to shape the ways Americans cast their vote in a hugely important year up and down the ballot. Today on the Rochester Rundown, we talk about voting in a pandemic. How will COVID-19 affect the way the election is operated? We sat down with one of Olmstead County's lead election officials to find out, and that story coming up in a bit. In the news, the first step towards a summer celebration in Rochester, approved by the city council. What else is on the table for that celebration? And there's also a bigger question. Will it even happen? We'll also take a look at the rest of Monday's meeting, including the confirmed site of the city's newest middle school. Plus, the return of the event segment, where we will look at celebrations planned in Rochester in honor of Juneteenth. I'm Isaac James. It's Friday, June 19th, 2020. And let's get to the news. I put a Twitter poll up on Thursday with a simple question. How do you plan to vote this year? Options were in-person, in-person absentee, not planning on it at all, or voting by mail. 68% of respondents said they'd take the latter option, which would be a stunning number undoubtedly influenced by the COVID-19 pandemic. It's been a challenge for election officials to figure things out in the past few months, perhaps most evidently from our neighbor to the east. In Wisconsin, a primary election unlike any other. I haven't seen anything like this in my lifetime. Thousands of voters battling long lines and masks, trying to stay six feet apart after the courts blocked an effort to postpone the election. The pandemic will continue through the fall and into 2021, guaranteeing an unprecedented challenge for local election officials. How is it possible to keep people safe while simultaneously encouraging voter turnout? Mark Krupski, Olmsted County's Director of Property Records and Licensing and Elections Administrator, says there will be fewer polling places open than normal in November. Those that do remain open will have plexiglass separating judges from voters, and of course social distancing will be enforced. But now, mail-in ballots have turned from just another voting option to the county's preferred method of voting. So we're hopeful that, uh, that we're successful in convincing enough voters to vote by mail so that it, it reduces the number of uh, voters going to the polls on Election Day. And even the ones that come here that want to vote in person, that we can reduce that number enough so that... Uh, It's not a concern. With long lines and long-term health in mind, many voters will fill out their ballot from home for the first time. Krupski says the proportion of people using mail-in ballots in the last couple elections hovered just above 25 percent. And before COVID-19 struck, the expectation was for that number to rise to about a third of registered voters. Now, however, that was I think we're going to go from 33 percent, possibly up to 50 percent of the voters will vote by absentee. So that changes an awful lot of the workload on our end, and we're preparing for those types of things as well. This expectation of a major increase in mail-in voting has spawned some backlash, with opponents saying it would cost too much, force people to make decisions before they know enough about certain candidates, and of course that it opens the door for voter fraud. This is Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft in a video from the Wall Street Journal speaking what a solid section of voters feel to be true. The most secure way to do an election where people have the most confidence in the election is to have people go to the assigned polling place on election day and vote. Let's get one thing straight. Reservations about voting by mail are fair. 
especially with it becoming so important so soon. Wild claims about rampant voter fraud are nonsense. In the past 12 years in the state of Minnesota, through three presidential elections and three more midterm elections, there have been a grand total of two cases of people fraudulently using absentee ballots. It just doesn't happen at high rates, and Krupski said as much. Well, uh, from my experience, and uh, I've been overseeing elections since 2006, that is absolutely correct. There's, there's more worry than any kind of substance behind it. The much larger problem, according to Krupski, is getting your ballot in on time. The county must receive your ballot by 8 o'clock p.m. on election day, right when in-person polls close, to count it. That mail goes on a longer journey than you might realize. So to make sure that ballot is in on time, it has to be in the mail long before election day. Don't wait to the last minute. If you're going to vote absentee by mail, get on it sooner than later. Don't don't try to mail it in three days before the election because if you do, a lot of our mail gets sent to central processing up in St. Paul. That delays it a day. And they just hate to see somebody vote and not have it counted because they waited too long and it didn't uh, get to us in time. From there, a team of about 30 election officials sorts the ballots and counts them one by one. That team has a week to open and process all of those envelopes. In the last presidential election, that meant over 13,000 envelopes had to be opened. And this time around, the number of ballots coming through the mail could make that number seem like child's play. Now we have 94,750 registered voters. Let's say half of them vote absentee. Well, we've got a tsunami of envelopes open, and we're perfectly fine. We're preparing for it, but that's part of the planning right there. 2020 was always going to be a crazy election season, wilder than most people have ever experienced. Now, though, the 2020 election has the chance to permanently alter how America goes about choosing its leaders. From what I could gather, local residents are excited to vote in a new way. One person emailed me saying she decided to vote by mail after serving as an election judge for the primary and decided to be more efficient with her time. One cited the convenience factor of not having to leave home. One said it would be nice to be able to research candidates while filling out the real ballot. Different reasons, but the same conclusion. For them, it was time to rethink voting. It's changing habits for a changed world. The absentee voting period for the local primary starts next Friday, June 26th. Med City Beat will be ramping up its election coverage in the coming weeks as the August 11th local primary approaches. Watch our Facebook page for more information on the candidates and chances for you to get answers from the candidates themselves. And now, the top stories from the week that was on our site. Nearly every major community celebration in the Med City planned for this summer has been canceled, but it appears Rochester may at least have a fireworks show this summer, and possibly much more in the works. In a 4-3 vote on Monday, the Rochester City Council approved plans to shoot off $40,000 worth of fireworks on August 22nd at Soldiers Field Park. It's part of a new, adaptable community celebration created by a group of event planners from Rochester that had their respective events canceled because of COVID-19. The hope is to blend traditional festival activities with proper social distancing, but organizers say the show could be postponed or canceled if another uptick in cases presents itself. 
Also at the city council meeting, members approved the annexation of 40 acres of land for a new middle school on the northwest side of town. The site on the north end of 65th Street Northwest was approved 7-0 and without much comment, but it marked a new step in the process that's now gone on for over a year where we've seen bickering between the city and district over the best locations for a new middle school. Originally, the district wanted the school to be built on the south side of town in the Hart Farm neighborhood. It has been previously reported that Rochester enjoys the lowest poverty rate in America, but according to surveys conducted by the Census Bureau, the benefits do not reach every corner of the city. In fact, the Star Tribune is reporting Rochester has the highest disparity between black and white poverty rates among metro areas of its size in the country. Through our data analysis, we found that in 2018, the black poverty rate was over 20 percentage points higher than the white poverty rate, considerably larger than the national disparity of 11.6%. All these stories and more are online now at medcitybeat.com. Friday is Juneteenth, the annual celebration of the day when the last slaves were freed in America in 1865. As you plan ways to celebrate, keep these two local options in mind. Friday afternoon, starting at 2 o'clock p.m., there's an in-person Juneteenth celebration at Foster Aaron Lake. It's a fundraiser set up by the Journey Program, a local after-school program focusing on preparing teens for life and leadership, according to its website. The Facebook event page says to wear red, green, or black, and also, please wear a mask. Social distancing, of course, will be followed. The next day on Saturday, stay at home and open your laptops to be a part of the Rochester chapter of the NAACP's virtual Juneteenth celebration, featuring educational sessions, music, and poetry, and keynote speaker Angela Porter, a Rochester native who now works as an attorney in Minneapolis. The whole event will be streamed live on Facebook starting at 10 a.m., and, of course, it's free. And that is where we'll leave the show for today. If you enjoyed today's show, the best way to support us is to become a member. Be a part of quality local journalism at medcitybeat.com slash membership. I'm Isaac James for MedCityBeat. Thank you for joining us. Have a great weekend. Take care of yourself. And I'll talk to you next Friday.